to this special episode of Life Beyond Our Wildest Dreams, Recovery Podcast. This is a podcast that shares stories of addiction, mental health, and all types of recovery. We discuss that the benefit of staying in recovery, we get to live a life beyond our wildest dreams. The podcast episodes coming up are focusing on families in recovery, parents, children, siblings, and their unique stories of recovering together. This is a family disease and families do recover. And also any of the opinions expressed on the podcast are those of the guests only. The podcast is not affiliated with any form of recovery or recovery program. And today my special guest is Pat Osterhoot. I hope I said that correctly because being Canadian, I usually can get the boots right. <laughs> Pat's story is one of hope and inspiration, great loss and grief and great purpose and recovery coming from darkness of addiction into the light of recovery. Pat entered recovery with her son, Matthew, in June of 2017. And this June 26, Pat will celebrate five years of sobriety. Her son, Matthew, died from an overdose January 20th, and he was 22 years old. At that time, Pat was sober one and a half years. Pat continues Matthew's legacy and tells his story and is an advocate for education through her nonprofit organization called Matt's Movement. Pat lives in Hilburn, New York. I want to say hi to everybody there. And it is my honor to welcome Pat today to the podcast. How are you doing, Pat? I'm doing great today. Thank you, Denise, for inviting me on. Um, I'm honored you... to, to be on today. Great. And you got your cup of coffee, as I do. I have my cup of coffee. So we're just going to sit and have a cup of coffee like we did yesterday. I'm so, so glad that um, you were able to come. And thank you so much for sharing your life and your story with me today and with the listeners. I feel so grateful to be part of Matthew's legacy today and just, you know, in this month of January that's so important to you. So let's, Pat, go right into how your life changed forever after dinner on January 20th. Wow. Um, yeah, my life that day, that uh, that night on January 20th was, um, it started out as just a, an ordinary night in my house where the family was eating dinner and, you know, we had the kids were two little kids running around and just everybody enjoying ourselves. And Matthew was eating dinner along with us and playing with the kids. And um, that night he gave me a kiss and told me he loved me. And I said, I love you too. And said he was going out to, uh, he was going to go take a shower so he could go out with friends um, because it was just shortly after his birthday. And uh, before he went downstairs, he kissed me, like I said, and kissed the little kids. And uh, it was about an hour later that I realized the house had gotten quiet and, but I never heard Matthew leave, uh, leave the house. He, his bedroom was downstairs near the front door. So um, I went to go look for him and I found him in his bathroom. And um, after that, we performed CPR and my sister had Narcan in her car and it was very cold out. It was in January. It was probably like below zero. And uh, we didn't know at the time that Narcan can't be kept at extreme conditions. We really Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about Narcan. Hmm. So when my sister brought it in the house, it uh, it was in a, a glass vial and it cracked and oh. broke 
when she got in the house. So, you know, we did everything we could. Um, the one thing that we realized later is that Matthew, before he came upstairs and ate dinner with the family and played with the kids, he had taken, uh, snorted heroin that was mostly, or from a text message he sent, we found out it was all fentanyl. And, but, you know, the one thing I want to say is that when we think about fentanyl, we think about it, the immediate effect uh, is death or overdose, but it doesn't always happen like that. Right. Matthew was with the family for at least an hour, maybe a little bit more. And he never did any, any more after he left the family. Um, and we know that by how, where we found the, the rest of the, uh, the fentanyl. Um, so when they say it could take seconds, it could also take an hour. The only, only, uh, thing that I noticed different from Matthew was that his eyes were red. Hmm. So that was not an, that was an indicator to me that maybe he was tired or that he had smoked marijuana, you know, but it's not always, um, exactly what we read in medical books. Well, and I think that's a really good point too, Pat. You and I discussed that is that I've been in recovery a long time and I always was under the impression that, you know, you hear all the time about people injecting or using and then it's immediate, they drop to the ground and they're out. And so I think it's really a good little educational piece too for people to realize that you can ingest something and it can take an hour or a couple of hours before you actually do overdose. And um, so, you know, I don't think any, any mother ever, ever, you know, survives losing a child or, you know, going through that experience. Now, you said that the two of you started your recovery together. So yes, also was in recovery so maybe you can tell us a bit about that. Yes. Um, when I started my journey into recovery, uh, sustained recovery, was about a month before um, I realized that Matthew was addicted to heroin. And so I had about a month of time without any kind of substance in my body and my eyes were opened. And then all of a sudden it's like, I have this journey that I'm taking with my son. And that was really devastating at the time, but I didn't have a chance to think about that because, um, you know, the focus was on, all right, I, my recovery was second. I had to keep him, keep him sober. That's, you know, that's what my thoughts as a mother were. And so a unique situation where both of you, and this is kind of what our series is about in the next little while, is is mothers and children and recovery. I think I have three different episodes where mothers and um, sons have all gotten sober. And funny enough, all of them, all of the mothers, all of the sons' names are Matt. Wow. Um, so, you know, the thing is, is that's just amazing because I mean, you have at that time, you think it's the worst thing ever, but I'm sure you wouldn't want to trade that, that experience now that the two of you, you know, did experience some of that recovery together. Yes. Because, um, if, if I hadn't, and if I hadn't have started my recovery journey that time before Matthew, uh, did, I wouldn't have been strong enough. Um, 
I think it gave Matthew a, you know, he was able to look at me and see my struggles. And so that, I believe that helped him with his eight months of recovery that he had before he passed, because we knew it was a struggle. We were struggling together. So there were a lot of times that we were able to sit and listen and talk to each other. And so I think probably now that he is gone, you look back at those times where you had those special moments of sharing at a level that probably you never would have shared at before had you not been discussing recovery. So that's nice to have those still to look back on. And you definitely did the very best that you could. I mean, I can't even imagine when you're a month or so sober yourself and then you see your child is in distress and then, you know, you're going to kick into trying to help them, but you're trying to help yourself. And I mean, it must have been just difficult. I think together we made each other stronger. Yeah. And when... Matthew returned to use, um, or when I found out Matthew had returned to use January 1st of 2019, because I found out he had overdosed at a friend's house that night, found out the next morning. But it was like almost something clicked in me, and I realized I needed to, to listen to him. And, you know, it had been a long journey. And a lot of fights, a lot of arguments, a lot of crying, and a lot of just pleading. But I never really stopped and listened. So you and I talked yesterday a little bit. Why don't you, you, and I think you're probably leading to this anyway, but why don't you just, um, you know, tell us about the conversation about his purpose? Oh, Matthew, we would sit in the car, and sometimes he would initiate it, sometimes I would... And he'd say, Mom, just sit for a second. Just sit with me. And our house was always busy. And so there was always a lot of people in and out. And so in the in our car was maybe sometimes the only time we had some alone time. And uh, so I would sit and listen. In this one conversation, he said to me, he says, Mom, I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing something. And he patted his chest. He says, I don't know what it is. He says, but I feel like I'm supposed to be doing something. And, you know, as a mother, I, we talked about recovery. We talked about some techniques, but it wasn't that I, he just, it, he just tried to tell me it wasn't that, that he was feeling. He's like, I just don't know what it is. And do you and, think looking back that he sensed that, that he was going to have a shorter time or do you just feel that he was just so eager to do something? How do you see it now? You know, in hindsight, and I look at Matthew's journey, especially the last month of his journey, because Matthew was a very, uh, Matthew found a recovery path in the church, not the church he was brought up with, but a different church in my town. And the experience I found out that he had there was, um, was amazing. He was filled by the Holy Spirit. He had, he said to me later on, he says, um, after that happened, I didn't know about it, but a couple of days he didn't speak much, but he said to me, he says, mom, he says, I, he told me about the experience at the church. And he says, he says, I just felt like I was filled with light. He says, I, and I just cried. He says, and I, it took me, took him a few days to process it, what was happening to him or what had happened. And I spoke to him. I said, we don't do this in our church, but that's being filled with the Holy spirit. 
So did you get a sense, like when you look back on that now, do you get a sense and a feeling that when you're describing that to me, it's almost like he, he had found a peace. He did. And so um, does that give you peace? That gives me peace because I know where his, on the night, the next morning, January 1st, uh, when he had overdosed, I made him go to the hospital and he talked to a social worker and he said to me after that, he says, I just don't know how I got here. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go a little bit now to briefly, obviously we don't want you to have to relive it over and over, but if you can give a little bit of what we talked about yesterday about that long day of the funeral and how at the end of the day, your sister asked you to go and have a cup of coffee with her. Why don't you tell us what happened then? Yeah. Matthew's funeral was, uh, it was a big event. It was, uh, you know, he had a lot of friends. Uh, we have a very close knit community. I'm so thankful for that. Now I've always been thankful, but I didn't realize how much I, I would be thankful for it now in my life. And uh, at the funeral, I was, I think we started at eight o'clock in the morning, didn't get home from the church until eight o'clock at night. And uh, my sister said to me, she says, Pat, you want to go have coffee? We're going to go have coffee. And I waited for a second. I said, you know what? Yeah, I'll go with you. I just needed to keep doing, you know, if you know, when you have a very stressful day or a very active day, sometimes you still are. And can I ask you a question there before you carry on? This kind of occurred to me as well. Um, Do you think at any point your sister was concerned at that point about you picking up a drink? I think they were constantly concerned about me picking up a drink. So that taking you for the coffee was just to to kind of be with you. Uh, Yeah, exactly. And just keep you safe. Yeah, they were being, they were being supportive. They were, they were, um, but they also, if I finish telling the, um, what happened that night, I don't know if they knew, they thought I knew what was going on at the coffee shop or if they didn't, but, um, I was so in my own little world during that time, like anybody who has lost someone, Understandable, you know, they, they're focused on certain things and, you know, outside things or little things they're not hearing. So when I did go to the coffee shop with them and we walked in into little Dunkin' Donuts in Mawa and there were about 40 people from my community that were there and they were talking about the substance use in the area and they were talking about Matthew's passing and, you know, they started talking about what they were going to do about it. And I, you know, I was quiet for a while and I went to say something. I said, you know, I know this is not about Matthew, but, you know, I have this uh, opinion. And they said, no, no, wait a minute. This is about Matthew. And this is called Matt's movement. And we're going to do something about this. This can't keep happening to our kids. Hmm. And that was January 26th, the evening of Matthew's funeral, that my community banded together and said, no, no more. And mm. we started Matt's movement. Wow. That Wonderful. Is, yeah. And so why don't you tell the people now that we're talking about Matt's movement? And I just kind of got um, 
a little bit of a chill there. My birthday's on the 26th of January. <laughs> and, and I just thought, oh, okay. Like, you know, isn't that amazing? I just now will think of something so wonderful happening on that day. Um, so the thing is, is why don't you give us a little bit of uh, um, insight as to what Matt's movement does now? Are you the primary spearhead of it? I am. Um, we, and I have many other people that are, that work with me uh, part-time and okay. come on board when I need, need the help. And, uh, but what Matt's movement does, Matt's movement, uh, Inc. is, uh, we are community education, family support, and support in recovery from substance use disorder. And so it's what a full-time gig? It's a full-time gig. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, you know, we've, we, I don't ever want to have a family member or especially a mother to feel as lonely and confused and isolated as I did when I was trying to keep my son alive. Hmm. We are so, this is not something we planned for. Even though I was in recovery a month, I was still ignorant to the recovery world. And I was ignorant to what I needed to, where I needed to reach out to to get help for myself and for my son. And it wasn't as, I have to say things have changed now because it wasn't as easy in 2019 as it's getting easier now to find the help and the resources that you need. Um, but we go, we've done Narcan training. Uh, the first year that Matthew was, Matthew's, Matt's movement was in, in uh, working. We did Narcan training, free Narcan training, free CPR training. In the year of the pandemic, I've done myself over 200 Narcan trainings virtually. Wow. And we, we keep doing this. We support people as much as we can. Mothers, sometimes it's just the ear that they need for somebody just to hear them without, um, without being judgmental. And don't you think too, like any situation, I mean, I'm just trying to put myself in that position, but I can't completely. But I think also what you're offering is even if they just have the training, they have the knowledge and they don't feel as hopeless and helpless in the situation. They feel like they've got a bit of a solution. That's so, correct. You know, when you don't feel like there's any solution or there's any, you have no tool and you're just completely at a loss, then, you know, you feel so powerless. Whether they're going to be able to save the person's life or not, the fact is at least they know they have the knowledge and they at least tried. Yes. And they also, you know, loved ones need to know that their feelings are valid. When they are angry, when they're hurt, when they're, um, when they feel like they're losing their loved one who's to substance use, you know, they have to know that those feelings are valid also and how to how to cope with those feelings and know a horrible that thing to yeah. watch as a parent, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. And we have we're parents that our hands are tied because yeah. we can see our child. And this is the one thing, one point that to every family member out there, mother and father, especially try to see your child beyond the substance use. Because your child is still there, we get boggled and we get confused and the, the, the fog of the substance use comes in and it's hard for, for us to see the child that God intended them to be, but they're still there. 
And once we can stop defining our loved ones by substance use and start knowing who they are and that they, just like uh, any other disease, they are a person and they are a whole person that's living with substance use disorder disease. And wonderful people. Some of the most wonderful people I've met have been people with substance abuse. The one great (laughs) substance use issues. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I I like that you said you have other um, parents who happened to their children happen to be named Matthew. And, you know, Matthew, the name Matthew means a gift from God. And so how can that person who was who was brought up with the name Matthew be anything but a gift? Yeah. And each one I've met, let me tell you, Matt's are very, very unique, special individuals. I believe they grow into their names. That's what you said. (laughs) And I thought that was great. Well, Pat, you know what? I am so glad that you've been able to, um, you know, discuss a lot of this with us. Now, before we kind of wind up, why don't you let us know you've got, um, you dedicate the month of January because it's Matt's birthday, right? To some events. So why don't you tell us what's happening this year? Well, for this year, um, because of COVID, things are, you know, we're having a little bit of a hard time going and doing things we would want to do. Yeah. But every year we go to Matthew's ashes were spread at the top of a mountain in Hilburn, which is called Split Rock. It's a Native American site because we are Native American. And we, I took his ashes and spread them at this site. And so every year we walk and we visit that site and we let off lanterns at night for his. And didn't birthday. I see balloons on the website one day? Yes, <laughs> we do balloons for people who can't make that journey. We ask them to set off balloons. Yeah. Um, we also do a day of kindness for Matthew's birthday, which the first year we had people, um, it's called Flowers for Matthew. So we asked people to give white flowers to people who may have done an act of kindness that was maybe not knowledge acknowledged, but changed the course of their day or their that minute for them. So let me just understand this. So mm-hmm. somebody who feels that somebody has done something that might have been unnoticed or they want to recognize the person, they go and they give them white flower. White flowers. You know, it goes along with the poem and I don't have it in front of me. But there's a poem that reads something like, give me my flowers while I'm here so that I can smell them and enjoy them with you. Nice. Instead of, you know, waiting until I'm gone. Matthew's, the church was filled with white ma- white flowers for Matthew. And we nice. took that theme to, you know, that day of kindness. So this year there'll be a, uh, there's going to be one place that will be recognized. We'll put that on Facebook um, during that that week of uh, between the January 15th and January and 20th. Twitter. Yes. And Twitter will put it on. Facebook, <laughs> I'll make sure Twitter. I put it on there. <laughs> Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, and Matt's birthday is January 15th. He would have been 25. Is that correct? That's correct. He'll be 25 January 15th. I feel that Matthew was still growing through Matt's movement. So yeah. I don't, you know, I, I try to, I don't say he would have been, because you say he is. He is because his life is still growing. He's still alive. And his legacy is so alive. And the thing is, too, is that, you know, maybe you can 
as well explain what we talked about yesterday when we talk about the lifespan and purpose of Matt's life? You know, Matthew was this amazing kid who had all these amazing, great qualities. Matthew's life was, you know, he passed and he was called home at the age of 22, which was so much too short for me and everybody around him. But Matthew's life was complete. You know, it was too short for us, but in God's eyes, his life was complete. What he did, what his purpose was on this earth, he did. He succeeded in what he needed to do, and God called him home. And that's how I feel. I, because we'll never understand the length of somebody's life, yeah. you know. And But I know this, that I had no control over, and I believe that God is the only one that controls that. And when we're finished on this earth, he'll call us home. So yeah. Matthew's life, too short for me, but his life was complete. And I think that that's a really, really good uh, thing to leave people with is that always, 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 it's going to be too short for us. Yes. And for those we love, we can never have enough time. But never. it's important to also realize that, you know, their life has been complete. Their purpose sometimes is complete. And um, so what's happening for you? I mean, you and I met through Wendy Blanchard and through another platform with uh, Johnny's Call to Action that we're going to be involved in. What other things are on the horizon for you for 2022 or just really being involved in keeping this going for Matt's movement? For 2022, right now we're in the planning stages of a an event in April called Spring into Recovery, where we're bringing in all the aspects of uh, things that Matthew held dear, um, the Village of Hilburn, the Ladies Auxiliary, which he talked me into joining because he wanted to go to the uh, the barbecues that they had each year. And, <laughs> and hmm. you know, different things that he is that were his were dear to him, his Native American heritage, um, his life in Hilburn, his friends, bring those things together along with recovery from mental health and substance use and do sort of a just a, a springtime fair of where we can really celebrate our recovery and be uplifted by it. And, you know, it's going to be an outside event. It is in person, but it's you know, it'll we'll be, be safe and be outside, yeah, be which is great. Distancing, masks and everything else we will. But it's going to be out in the air so that we can breathe and we can we can celebrate nice. that springtime. Nice. Well, I wish you all the best, Pat, with everything that you're doing. And, um, you know, I will certainly do everything I can. Hopefully the podcast now will get out and people will hear more of Matt's movement and his story and your story. And I just think that also, you know, although we focused on Matt and his life, I think also that um, what we don't want to lose in the story is that your incredible, incredible ability to stay sober under any and all conditions. Thank you, Denise. It's, it's tough sometimes, but, you know, it's all worth it. It's even the struggles are worth it. Well, and, you know, the thing about recovery is that we do have support and, you know, we can stay sober under any and all conditions. And the thing is, is that we just have to reach out and ask for support. And I just think that 
the entire experience that you've shared with people today will be inspiring. And, you know, we're going to have, I think it's important to tell the stories too, that, you know, families enter into recovery, but not always does everybody make it, Yes, you know, that not everybody does make it. And so even when they don't make it, their life is worthwhile. Their life has been, you know, they've contributed so much. And I just think it's so important to put the faces on the people with uh, substance use disorder and mental use disorder, because these are real faces, real people. There are sons, there are brothers, there are cousins, there are parents. So, you know, I think this is why it's so important, because in your case, as well as Matt one's case, the mothers got sober first. Yeah. Then the children got into recovery. And so, you know, just the power and the ability with you as the parent making that decision for yourself changed the course of Matt's life and has now changed the course of many, many lives. So there's such a ripple effect. So just one decision that you made has changed all these lives. So I don't want that to get lost in no Matt's uh, story because you're still living, you're here, you're still in recovery. And, um, you know, I just think that you've done an amazing job. And I really thank you for coming today and being so honest and sharing. And I really look forward to working with you in the new year. Thank you, Nadise. Can I make just one point before we go? You can. You know, Matthew had eight months of sobriety uh, before he passed. And in those eight months, the months in the years before that, there was so much broken in my family because of substance use disorder. And in the eight months that Matthew had sobriety, he fixed every relationship he broke. Mm -hmm. So when Matthew passed in January, there was no regret of words that were said in harsh or um, things, it was, we mourn Matthew because he was this incredible person that fixed the things that he broke, even though his, he, he left us so soon. But we thank him every day for that because if he hadn't have done that, if that ability wasn't there for him to stay sober and fix those relationships, I believe our family would have crumbled when he passed. So I'm thankful for him every day for doing that and being able to do that. He was such a strong person. Well, and it sounds like you, he got that from you and it sounds like you're continuing on in your strengths as well. And I just wish you all the very best. And, you know, I just think he lived an amazing life. And I think the takeaway is we can't go on the length of the life. We have to go on the quality of the life. That's right. That's and right. So that was a life well lived. It was. And, it was a life um, well lived. And a gift that keeps on giving. So thank you so much, Pat. And I look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you so much for just your honesty, your openness. And I know you're a little bit nervous and hopefully <laughs> it's okay. Everyone's nervous, but you know what? It's just a conversation with our cup of coffee. So thank I'm sure you're ready for another one. So I will talk to you really soon. Thank you, Denise, and you have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye.